My name is Peter Squire, and I am the Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board's Vice President of External Relations and Market Intelligence. Knowing about illegal grow-ups existing in our market region is not new to REV and our industry, as they continue to operate and their legacy carries on as a result of mandated disclosure requirements when they are sold as former grow-ups. What is not as widely known is the issue of large-scale medical grow-ups operating within the City of Winnipeg. I have the pleasure of welcoming the City of Winnipeg's Deputy Chief Administrative Officer, Mike Jack, to join me to speak about this issue and how Winnipeg is tackling it. Hi, Mike. Welcome today to our Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board podcast called The Voice. And this is an opportunity, as we've done before, to delve into an issue in in more depth. And the issue we're going to talk today, which you're very familiar with, and that's why I have you joining us, is on that issue of the large-scale medical grow-ups that we are finding that are operating within residential neighborhoods throughout Winnipeg. As someone that's been involved in just the grow-up issue for a number of years and, and understanding how important it is for our members, our realtors, to disclose if it was a former grow-up, I can honestly tell you I didn't realize the significance of how a number of these grow-ups have come to be through being authorized by Health Canada to allow personal cultivation of cannabis at non-commercial premises like homes and how there's more allowed than than I would have ever imagined. So I know you've come to become quite knowledgeable on it, Mike. And so really what I'd like to start off asking you is really how did you as the senior administrator, the deputy CAO of the city of Winnipeg, come to know about it in the first place? And maybe let's just start off there. Yeah, no, that sounds good, Peter. And maybe let me start just by, by thanking you for inviting me to this. I, uh, I'm quite happy to talk about it. Uh, our, our public service has been, you know, putting in a fair bit of time and research on the on the entire topic. So, uh, you know, any opportunity to talk a little more about that, not just at City Hall, is uh, is appreciated. So thank you. So, yeah, let me dive into your question about how, you know, this really came on our radar. And I, I would say primarily it came from some of our elected officials who seem to be dealing with this with increasing, uh, you know, intensity and frequency in, in their particular wards. Some of the more vocal councillors have been those like Councillor Ross Eady, uh, Councillor Debbie Sharma, and even Councillor Janice Lukes has also noted the prevalence of some of this stuff in her ward. And of course, they get complaints from their from their residents frequently about this kind of stuff. So not just those three, but those are certainly the, the three councillors who I think kind of built momentum for the discussion at City Hall. I say primarily through them. I mean, we, of course, you know, even in the CAO's office receive, you know, comments from the public and or just seeing things on social media. So it was also becoming apparent just through a variety of sources, just how this was becoming a problem. It wasn't prior to any of that. I I was probably somewhat like you uh, described. I I wasn't really that aware that this was a problem. If, uh, if it's happening with any real, you know, frequency in my own neighborhood, I, I, I don't seem to be noticing it. So, so maybe it's not, or maybe it is, but it's the kind of thing that once you realize how many people are being impacted, then it was very clear that it's it's something we need to be addressing in City Hall. And, and we think we can address in City Hall. Thanks for that, Mike. And then once again, you became aware. I know you even had the opportunity to share your insights and, and answer a number of really good questions from our government and stakeholder relations committee earlier this year. 
But I know you really began to mobilize, you know, the public service and put together a report that you brought forward in the spring, which I had an opportunity to make a presentation on back in March. And that obviously has led to something even more important that you're working on now. So maybe just describe what you were able to put together initially and then where that's leading you in the current deliberations to come up with recommendations to deal with this issue in a really effective manner. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Peter. And so it, it did uh, kind of come in a couple waves of reports. The very first one back in November of last year, you know, after a bunch of discussion with those councillors in particular uh, and the result of a motion they brought forward, full council directed us to go back at, at a high level and just look at whether or not the city could regulate the cultivation of cannabis in residential properties or in residential neighborhoods, particularly the cultivation of medical cannabis. As we know, it still remains the case in Manitoba, at least, that the cultivation of cannabis purely for recreational purposes still remains tightly regulated. It's not something that the average person can just do in their own residential property. And there are, you know, like I said, the, the entire, uh, that entire industry is, is pretty heavily regulated at the provincial level. But sp- focusing specifically on, the, on the, the medical exception, we were asked to go and see whether there was any opportunity for the city to, to regulate there. We came back pretty conclusively with the, the answer that we could, and we could in a number of respects. I'm going to oversimplify kind of how the law has changed, but but I, I think it'll still be you know accurate. The real difference is, and and the reason that that people have been entitled to cultivate cannabis for medical purposes for many many years, way before what we consider legalization, was because of a charter right that allowed them access to needed medication. So that was always the basis for it. That if someone had a had a condition and cannabis was the the appropriate treatment, uh, or or the you know the preferred treatment or the or the prescribed treatment from their healthcare official, then this at least allowed them access to that medicine. And and every province had a different scheme. Sometimes the government tried to take it on themselves, usually with dismal results in terms of the quality of the stuff they were growing. What that resulted in is a number of years where where those with those prescriptions were allowed to cultivate it themselves within their dwellings. Where we believe the law has changed and and where even the, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities believes the law has now changed in the last number of years since legalization across the country is that the access argument really kind of evaporates in light of those developments. So it really is no longer an issue of access to medicine. Many people need a variety of medicines that you can only get at you know, Safeway or, or Shoppers Drug Mart, but you can get them at Safeway or Shoppers Drug Mart. So you've got access to that medication. So, so if someone requires cannabis, the you know, in a nutshell, the legal argument would suggest now that you know we we really do have a prevalence of of cannabis retail here in Winnipeg, that the argument simply just isn't there for the absolute need to to grow it in a residential property. So that was the nutshell of that first report. And and thank you, you you did appear in delegation to speak to it. And that report kind of led our elected officials to a more refined or more specific direction to the public service, which we're working on right now. And it was based upon the feedback we had given them. So this has been a good back and forth with them. And I won't read it verbatim, but essentially they have asked us to come back with amendments to our zoning bylaw to figure out how to restrict or prohibit the cultivation of medical cannabis in residential neighborhoods and or, you know, within residential properties. They also want us to look at the neighborhood livability bylaw because we know from a lot of constituent complaints, odor is a big issue. So, you know, odor being more in, in line with a nuisance, kind of nuisance that the, uh, the NLB, that bylaw covers. You know, it already covers noise and other things, looking at whether or not there may be some provision there to deal with some of the odors that are coming from these properties. We're also going to be looking at, because we in our, in our scan 
There are some municipalities that seem to be doing this quite successfully already. We're going to look at licensing as a means to regulate this. So you're examining uh, whether or not we, we license the entire function or activity, or, or perhaps we, we restrict it just to licensing designated growers. Uh, and then let me just kind of fill in that blank for a second. So, you know, it's one thing if you are registered to grow on your own behalf, but in Canada, uh, Health Canada will allow designated growers to grow anywhere for up to four registered patients. So in other words, someone can be growing at one property uh, as a designated grower for up to four people. And he, and if each of those four people is provided a prescription that numbers in the dozens or hundreds of plants, then you can see pretty quickly how that, you know, multiplying that by four at one residential property gets, uh, you know, what we consider pretty much out of hand quickly. So, so we are going to examine licensing as well, as well as zoning, as well as uh, neighborhood livability bylaw. And they also asked us to go look a little more closely at whether or not regulating some of the other building code features might might uh, assist in some way. So of particular interest, I think, to your members is the impact of any kind of cannabis cultivation on the physical structure, on the building envelope, on the walls, on the... And so, first of all, if, if we outright restrict it or, you know, prohibit it, then this probably becomes more of a moot discussion. But we still want to come back with a bit of analysis about what kind of things the city, as the regulator of building code, could require at, at some of these properties. So it's going to we hope it's going to be very comprehensive. We hope it, we're going to come back with some proposed bylaw amendments so that action begins right after that council meeting. We are due back to, to make it up to our council this October. And, and so that's very likely when uh, when you'll see the whole package of recommendations and advice and amendments uh, come back for their consideration. That's really appreciate a really comprehensive but concise uh, update uh, of what's happening, Mike. And, and I think it's really important to state that you had unanimous approval, which doesn't happen all the time at City Council on a number of issues. So to get unanimous support from City Council to do what you're doing obviously gives the public service a lot of motivation and encouragement that you know when you come back with these kind of recommendations that you are working on now, that inevitably, in my view, you will likely uh, certainly get the support of the City Councillors to move forward with clear measures to deal with this issue in an effective manner. Yeah, you're right, Peter. And not only was it unanimous, but yeah, I haven't really received, you know, sometimes you can get informal feedback that someone that, you know, isn't necessarily that supportive, but on, on something like this, we haven't received any of that. So yeah, yeah, I don't anticipate any, I would never presume the will of council, but I certainly don't anticipate that, uh, you know, we'll have anything less than full support for this. But having said that, we're, we're not unrealistic. And, and anytime the city wants to change its laws in any respect, you're always going to have somebody who feels aggrieved by that. You'll have somebody who thinks it's not in their interest to see that. You know, I, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how vocal uh, you know any such interests or, or groups might be. But uh, you know, I certainly won't be surprised if if someone shows up and, and tells us we're going in the wrong direction and, and has comments for us that way. Well, I can assure you, Mike. We clearly see this as a quality of life issue. People buy a home to enjoy their home, their neighborhood. And this is the exact opposite of what they intended to do, to find themselves now living beside what I consider a, a commercial operation, no longer a home in, in the true sense of what that home was meant to be. That That is not right. And you're obviously recognizing that. And what I'm happy to see, Mike, and maybe I'll ask you just a final question on your comment, because we talked about this when you came and spoke to our committee in the spring, was that on that concern with what zoning measures you take about grandfathering, 
The one thing I found Health Canada's looking at in their review of of stiffening uh, their regulations around personal cultivation as part of a review they did this spring is the ability to revoke licenses. So if you've got a situation where it's clearly being abused, as I believe Health Canada is now recognizing the pitfalls of what they've done and, and, and enabled over the years, that issue of grandfathering that's difficult when you have a new zoning bylaw the, the revoking of a license through Health Canada can help deal with that, that situation. You're right, Peter. Uh, it feels almost a little, perhaps, you know, tail wagging the dog or, you know, I'm not sure what the right metaphor would be, but we, we would have always preferred Health Canada to be out front, you know, leading the way on, on necessary changes, as opposed to forcing, you know, municipal hands to try and change their laws to deal with some of this stuff. So on the one hand, it is quite encouraging to that. I think they are coming around to, to understanding it. I will say even in their defense, you know, I know a number of examples where it's not just that health Canada has sat on their hands and, and, and been ignorant of, of some of the neighborhood issues, but very frequently over the course of a number of years in a lot of litigation that often makes its way up to the Supreme court, every incremental change health Canada has tried to make is met with some form of opposition. So often when you see the status quo of, of how a government is regulating something, it's not just their intention to regulate or not regulate. Sometimes they're really kind of handcuffed by subsequent court decisions that have hemmed them in. But, but at the very least, it's great to hear, they're continuing to you know, move in this direction. And, and with the whole notion of revoking a license, I think that is really helpful. I mean, we're, it seems to me someone who's going to choose to grow, particularly even as a designated grower, growing in a residential property, probably the last thing they, they want uh, are a bunch of legal difficulties. And, and if they could, frankly, just go somewhere else where they're not bothering neighborhoods, uh, and if, if that involves renting an industrial space or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is required, it would seem to me that's likely even better for their whatever their business model happens to be they likely the the fewer entanglements with any sort of regulation that comes to their business probably the better for them and not only can health canada revoke the license but like i said our own council has directed us to go see whether or not we can also you know have a, a city license required for those designated growers and like we do with some other city licenses even through that licensing scheme then d- decide or declare or restrict or you know where where such growing can occur. And again, with the end goal of making it clear that that can't occur in, in residential neighborhoods. And, and I'll just, I'll add on because you, you properly identified the, the whole grandfathering piece. At law, it's called the lawful non-conforming use. It's a legal principle that goes back tens if not hundreds of years. Uh, it was originally you know derived from the common law and now it, it finds its way into all municipal legislation. So we're quite bound by it. Uh, it's, it's in our city of Winnipeg charter. The notion that if, that if someone starts a use from a zoning perspective that is lawful and then we change the rules as long as they continue the use they they will be essentially grandfathered until they stop using the property for that purpose so we know there may be some zoning challenges particularly if we were to only amend our zoning bylaw that might not capture and might not effectively deal with some folks who then claim a lawful non-conforming use and so we think in parallel uh, trying to address it also from a licensing perspective may be the thing that that actually gives us the success we need and you know gets us the objective we're looking for here. Well, anyway, Mike, I think you've really covered it well in terms of uh, relating back to our 2,000 members. It's 
It's stay tuned, but I think we know from just what you've described in this podcast and, and, and the work you're doing and knowing that you have city council support with some active city councillors that are very much there working with some of these uh, residents that have experienced these commercial grow operations and larger scale ones that have been authorized through Health Canada that you're now really uh, at the forefront of dealing with it. I look forward to hearing back again, like I said, seeing the final uh, recommendations so we can come forward as, as the Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board and support your efforts. That, that's great, Peter. Yeah, we appreciated seeing you there last time and uh, we will appreciate seeing you there again to provide support for what we're going to be recommending to council. So thank you. Once again, thank you, Mike, for joining us today and helping us understand this issue in a more detailed manner. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and we look forward to having you back for our next podcast. Mm-hmm.